Amen. Good morning. Welcome to church this morning. It's good to be in church today on this food bank Sunday, this day where we celebrate our harvest, where we give thanks to God for, for all that he has done in our lives. And we, as I said at the start of the service, where we can be a blessing to our community. We want to reach out into our community as a church. We don't want to just be a building or a club where people come to. We want to show the love of God into our community. We want to reach out and demonstrate the love of God into our community. So it's a blessing today to be here. As God has blessed us, may we be a blessing today to those who are in need today. Amen. Before we come to the word this morning, should we just pray? Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, you, we thank you your word is not just a, a, a normal book that we can read, but we thank you that your word is living. It is your voice to us. It is your words to us, O oh God. And Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, you would do what I could not do, Lord. I pray that you would breathe on your word this morning. Lord, I pray you would move by your spirit into hearts and lives, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would cause faith to rise, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just hear this word this morning, but Lord, you would burn it on our souls so that we might put it into action. Lord, we pray that you would come by your spirit now and speak to us so that you would be lifted up, that you would be glorified and seen, Jesus. Lord, we thank you and ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible this morning, can you turn to Matthew chapter 9? Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 35 to 38. And the title of the message this morning is, It's Harvest Time. It's Harvest Time. So Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 to 38. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 to 38 and it says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his, his fields. You know, Jesus declared in this statement here to his disciples, he said, the harvest is ready. The fields are ripe. The harvest is plentiful and it's time to begin reaping. Now he wasn't talking about the natural harvest of bringing in food and crops. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the harvest of souls. He was talking about seeing those who were lost in their sins, those who were lost in the kingdom of darkness. It was time to go and reach them with the good news of the kingdom, to bring them into the kingdom of God, to tell them about the love of God, to tell them it's not a religion, it is a relationship, that you can know God, that you can have a living relationship with him, that you can spend an eternity with him in heaven. And when Jesus announced this, at this moment, the great and final spiritual harvest began. The spiritual harvest of seeing men and women, boys and girls, come into the kingdom of God. And you know, this same harvest is going to last until Jesus comes again. Because we believe as a church that Jesus is coming again. We believe he's coming again very soon. We believe everything that the Bible tells us, all the signs of the time are being fulfilled. We believe that Jesus could return at any moment for his church. He is coming for us. And we believe that that great spiritual harvest is going to last until he does come again. 
But as I read this passage, as, as I read this passage and as I prayed over this passage, I began to wonder, I began to think, what did Jesus see in his time that caused him to say that the harvest was ready? What was it that Jesus actually saw to say the harvest is plentiful, it's time to go out and reap in the harvest of souls? Did Jesus see a spiritual awakening happening in Israel? Did he see that there was a revival happening where thousands upon thousands of people were asking to come to know him, were putting their faith and trust in God? Were the synagogues packed out at that time with people who were repenting, turning away, turning away from their sin, longing to find God as their saviour? Were the priests even, were they turning to God? Were they abandoning their tradition and their religion of doing things and actually saying, Lord, we want you, we're sorry, we're surrendering our lives to you, we want to be led by you? Were the scribes, were the Pharisees, were they being convicted at that time? What evidence was there that the harvest was ripe? What, what evidence was there that the harvest was ready? Well, actually, as you read the Gospels, uh, the Bible actually doesn't reveal much evidence that there was a spiritual move of God happening. In fact, as you read the Gospels, you see it was actually the total opposite of a move of God. We see that Israel at the time weren't interested in God. They were happy to live in their own way. They were happy to carry on with their lives. Jesus, he was even mocked in the synagogues. The Son of God was mocked in the worship place. How incredible is that? Even this nation's spiritual leaders, those who claimed they believed in God, that they trusted in God, they actually rejected the Son of God. They, they, they were there ready to crucify Him. They were there ready to kill the Son of God, God Himself. They questioned his integrity. They questioned that he was actually who he said he was. They actually questioned whether he was the Son of God. It's interesting, even as you read the Bible, even one religious crowd, they tried to push Jesus off a cliff. It's incredible that they actually didn't believe he was God in the flesh. And as a result of that, you see in the Gospels, in one account, that the Christ himself, he begins to rebuke Israel's cities for not repenting to his message. He begins to rebuke them. You know, as for the people at that time, as for the society at the time, they were in chaos, they were in despair. It was a chaotic mess at the time society was. And you know, the Bible tells us here in Matthew chapter 9 that when Jesus seen the society, when he seen the people, when he seen how distressed they were, when he seen how depressed and downcast the society were, he said they were like a sheep without a shepherd. They were wandering around. They didn't have a clue where they were going. They didn't know what was happening. They were just confused. They were distressed. They were everywhere. Here was a society that was fearful because of the oppression of Rome. They were afraid. They were gripped by fear. It was a society that was totally stressed out. And it was a society that was depressed. And as I said, the people, they were running about wildly. They were like a scattered sheep looking for help anywhere they could. They were looking for an answer anyway, whether it was with other people, whether it was within a relationship, whether it was within alcohol. They were looking for it wherever, whether it was in money. They were looking for an answer, but they couldn't fill that gap. They were in their hearts and in their souls. They were like a sheep without a shepherd. And it is at this very moment that Jesus Christ declares that the fields are ripe for harvest, that the harvest is plentiful. In this mess, when society is a mess, Jesus declared, this is the time. The harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful. Now, if we think about our society today, 
Do you think Jesus' words would apply to today's society? Where do we see evidence in our society that the fields are ready for harvesting, that the, the, the harvest is ripe, the people are ready to come to know God? Where do we see this in our society? Are nations repenting from their sin? Are they pulling their trust in God? Is there a great spiritual stirring within our society today? Are people longing to come to church? Are churches within our even valley packed out at this moment in time? Is the church waking up or is the church caught in religion just doing the same old things week in, week out? Are church leaders seeking the face of God, hungry, desperate to find God, to be used by God, to be empowered by God? Is there a cry for holiness within our generation? Do we see that happening? You know, with a few exceptions, I don't see any of these things happening. I believe, and I can see, and I'm sure that many of us would agree, that our times are very much like the times when Jesus was talking about. Our society is very much exactly the same as society. Even the churches are very similar to the churches when Jesus was declaring this statement. But yet, none of these things moved Jesus in his time. It wasn't the fact that there was a great revival happening that moved Jesus to say that. It wasn't the fact that churches were on fire and churches were packed out, loving, loving God, worshipping God, reaching out. It wasn't that that moved Jesus. But actually, what moved Jesus was the sad conditions that he saw everywhere where he looked around. It was the sad conditions everywhere that he saw. Everywhere he looked, he saw a people who were overwhelmed with distress. People who were totally overcome by the enemy and by the pressures of life. And you know, the Bible tells us when actually Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he wept. He wept because of the state of society at that time, that they were totally far away from God, that they weren't interested in God. He wept because of their conditions. He saw that this society was actually a society that was headed for judgment. It was a society that had no peace, that only had fear and depression. And he prophesied over this scene. He said, your house will become desolate. He was saying that this, this society is a complete and utter mess. A sheep without a shepherd. But you know, Jesus said that this type of society was going to be like the society in the last days before he would come again. It would be very similar. The society in which he first came was going to be very similar to the society when he comes again. And Jesus, he gives a picture of what that society will look like before he comes again for his second coming. And you know, as I've said, we're coming very close to his coming again. He could come again at any moment. And our society is very similar to that first society which Jesus was met with. Jesus gives some signs to his disciples when they were asking, what will those, what will those times look like before you come again? He said there would be famines. He said there would be earthquakes. We see this everywhere on the news. All you have to do is turn on BBC. You see it everywhere. Turn on your iPhone. That's all it is. Earthquakes. Tribulations. Nations divided. There's so many nations divided at this moment in time. He said that there would be false prophets rising up. False Christ. People who proclaim that they love God, that they're called by God, but actually they're from the enemy. They're teaching a false doctrine. And, you know, these, these people are raising up in so many people, churches, so many Christians today are so de deceived because they're not in the word of God. They just go in wherever they hear the greatest, coolest message. They're not standing for what God has said in his word. They're not living by that. And so many are deceived. Many believers are falling away as a result of it. 
It said even the believers would be hated for mentioning Christ. We see that happening with the Islamic State rising up, don't we? That many Christians in these countries are being killed because of their faith. And not only that, Jesus said that in the last days before he comes again, the love of many will grow cold. And some would fall, there would be a great falling away because there would be a great increase of sin and lawlessness. That's exactly the picture of our society. If we're honest today, that is the picture of the society in which we are living in. Men and women's hearts grip for fear. They don't know what's happening in the world. They don't know where to look. Hurricanes, tsunamis, disease, sin everywhere. People living however they want to live. We see it happening. These prophecies are happening before our very eyes. Our generation is full of anxiety and worry. Wherever we go, people are worried. They're stressed out by everything, by the littlest things. As I said, many are fearful today. There's hurricanes happening, all these things. Nations today are trembling over fear because of terrorism. People are afraid because of that. False religions are rising up. False Christ leading many astray. You know, many people today are turning to other religions. There's a rise in Islam, Buddhism, all these other religions, all these false religions. But we know this morning there is only one God, and it is Jesus Christ. And we come before him. You know, you'd have to be in total denial this morning to say that everything that could be shaken has been shaken and is being shaken. You'd have to be in total denial to say that that isn't happening. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken at this moment in time. Within church, within society, everything that is being shaken uh, has been shaken and is being shaken. But you know what? As I even prayed this week, even amongst this turmoil, even amongst this chaos in our society, even amongst this mess, I still hear Jesus' words. I still hear the words that Jesus is saying, and I believe Jesus is saying it to us as a church, is that the fields are white for harvest. The harvest is plentiful. I'm convinced this morning that God is telling us as his church, us who believe in him, not religious people, us who have a relationship with our God, he's telling us people are ready to hear. People are ready to hear the good news of Jesus. They're not interested whether they come to church or not. It's not about that. We need to tell people about the hope that we have in Christ, the hope that we find in Jesus. It's not about getting people just to come along to church. It's about people coming to know Jesus and the fruit of that will be them coming to church. That is the fruit of that. But I believe Jesus is telling us, would you, it's time. People are ready to hear. Now is the time to start reaping. Why? Because Christ is the Lord of the harvest. And if he declares that the harvest is ready, then the harvest is ready. He is the one who's in charge of the harvest. So if he says it's harvest time, it is harvest time. And it is up for us as a church whether we will listen to him or not. It doesn't matter how wicked our generation might get. It doesn't matter how powerful Satan might seem and how he might be drawing people away. It doesn't matter about that. Because if Christ says that it's time for harvest, it is harvest time. People are ready to hear it. It is time to go and tell people about the good news of Jesus. I believe that the Lord would tell us this morning, it's time to stop focusing on all the difficulties around us. Instead, raise up our eyes as a church. Raise up our eyes as the people of God. It's time to see that the harvest is ready. Christ knew that in times of distress, in times of calamity, in times of worry and of fear, 
people are actually ready to face eternity. When people are afraid, when they've got nowhere else to turn, it is in those times that people will actually start to think about God. Think about maybe there is a God. Maybe he can help us. It is in the worst possible situation that that is the time where we can begin to tell people about Jesus Christ. You might think, is that actually true? Well, that truth has been demonstrated throughout the history of God's people. Trouble, distress, perplexity, confusion, they've always birthed a cry for help. It is always when people are in a time of need, they will begin to look to God. And our society is in a time of need. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. That's the law of the harvest. You might wonder, what is the law of the harvest? The law of the harvest is the darker the days, the whiter the harvest. The more tough it gets, more people are ready to actually look for an answer, looking for a hope, looking for someone to turn to. You know, the incredible thing is, no community is close to our God. Our God came for the whosoever. He came to reach out into any society, no matter how messed up it is, no matter how far away from God it is, no matter how dead in sin it might be. No community is cut off from God. No people is cut off from our God. No religious power on earth can stop the harvest. No Satan, Satan can't stop the harvest. No demon in hell can stop the harvest. If Christ declares that the harvest is ready, then it is ready. The fields are ripe to harvest. So you might say this morning, that's fantastic. That's great. The fields are ripe to harvest. Great. But why aren't we experiencing great harvest of souls why aren't we seeing this church packed out why aren't we seeing family members coming to know God work colleagues coming to know God if the harvest is ready then why aren't we seeing it where are all these people who are ready to come to know God well Jesus made it plain and simple the harvest is ripe but the laborers are few the issue is not with the harvest it's with the laborers the laborers are few but why are there so many laborers? Why are there so few laborers? You know, you see, if you, all you have to do is turn on God TV or look on social media these days, you see all these mega churches, thousands upon thousands of people who follow in Jesus in other countries. But then you can look in other places and so many churches are empty. We see churches that are packed out with believers who claim that they follow Christ, that Christ is their life. But actually, the truth is they know nothing of Christ. You know, the truth is, if we're not capable of reaping souls, if our lives don't reflect the transforming power of the gospel that we preach, then we've disqualified ourselves as laborers. I believe the reason why we aren't seeing so many people come to know God is because people are happy to come to church, but they don't live it out. They don't live it out on a Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. It's not a rea reality in their lives. The church, we've got too many churchgoers and not many Christ followers in our generation. We need people who are surrendered to Christ. People who love Christ with a passion. People who long to be used by God, not just attend church. It's not about coming to church and pleasing the pastor. Please don't get me wrong with that. I pray that this church would be packed with people who love God, but also have a passion to reach out to our community and spread the good news to people. That is Christ's heart for his church. 
Our lives should be proof that Jesus is alive, that Jesus has come to save the whosoever, that Jesus has come to save the worst of us, that he can transform any soul, that he can transform any life, and he is still in the business of doing it 2,000 years later. That is what our lives should reflect. Our lives should reflect the love of Christ to our broken society, to those who are in need. You know, as laborers, we are the harvest in instruments in the Lord's hands. You know, in the days of Christ, the instrument for reaping in the harvest was a scythe. This it would be a long thing. I'm sure many of you have seen this, this long blade, curved blade, single-edged blade, which had this big handle on it. And this instrument, it was forged by a blacksmith. And the blacksmith, he'd put this scythe into a fire. Then he placed this, this thing called an anvil on it, and he would pound it until it was bent into shape, until it was ready. He'd put it into the fire and he would bend it until it was ready. And this whole process was repeated again and again until the cutting edge was filed with a rough edge surface. So this thing, this instrument was put into the heart fire and pounded and pounded and pounded until it was sharp enough, ready to bring in the crop, until it was ready. And the parallel is clear for us as we come to a conclusion this morning. God is forging laborers. God is forging laborers. But this forging process explains why the laborers are few. You know, the majority of churchgoers today are like the thousands who volunteered to go with Gideon. In the Old Testament, if you know the story of Gideon, he had thousands ready to go and fight against the Midianite army. Thousands said, yeah, we're coming with you. But then out of all those thousands who followed Gideon initially, only 300 were chosen to actually go to battle. The rest failed. The rest went away. The rest didn't meet the standard. And the same happens today. Those who are truly called to harvest are called to endure refining, the sharpening fires, and continual hammering. God is not looking just for weak, flimsy Christians who just turn up to church. He's looking for people who are ready to go through the fire who are ready to be tested, no matter what comes against them, they will come out sharper, ready to be used by him. God is looking for people who will stand, withstand the testings of the enemy, who is ready to be pounded and pounded, but will still come out of the fire and say, my God is alive, I still trust in my God, I still believe in him, I will still serve my God, no matter what Satan might throw at me, no matter what hell throws against me, I still trust in my God and I'm still going to serve him. That is the people that Christ is looking for. They are the ones who will really bring in the harvest. Those will stand through the fire. Yet not many do. When difficulties come, struggles come, they're gone. They're out of the earth. They're not interested. They're nowhere to be seen. Christ is looking for a people in whom he can trust. A people who are willing to go through the fires and still say, yes, I trust in my God. I still be used by my God. No matter what comes against me, I'm ready to be used by God. They are the people that Christ is looking for. So as we come to a conclusion, what does all this mean for us? Jesus knew exactly, he knows exactly what we are facing today in this last generation. He knew what we would face today as the people of God, a generation that is steeped in sin far more than any other. He knew that this generation would be filled with stress, with loneliness, such as has never been experienced by man before. Our generation is filled with people who are facing financial disasters, 
There's rampant divorce in our society and even within the church these days. There's militant homosexuality. You know, even this week, as I was walking through town, I couldn't believe it. I was walking through town this week, um, heading up home after work, and I couldn't believe it. Even on the council building in our town, there is a gay pride flag outside our council building. Militant homosexuality. We need to pray against this. This is the working of the enemy. The church needs to rise up against the moves of the enemy. We're on victory side, but we need to make a stand as the people of God. We need to pray for our communities that we might see a move of God within our society. We need to shine brighter than ever. All these things are happening even on our doorstep. And that is why Christ is looking for laborers who have been submitted, who are willing to be submitted to the fires of forging, who are ready to be shaped by God ready to be molded by God, who are ready to open up their lives to God and say, God, there's some things that are not, aren't right in me, but I'm ready. Take it away. Forge me so that I might be used for your glory and for your honor. Maybe today God is laying this word on your heart. As I prayed, I pray the Holy Spirit would do this. I can't do this. I can't, I, you know, I can't work this up in your heart. I pray that God is speaking to you by his spirit. But maybe God is laying this word on your heart and you want to be used by him. You're ready. But you start wondering, where, where should I begin? But well, we begin in the same place where Jesus told his disciples. We start with the dis distressed. We start with those who are anxious, who are worried. We start with the poor. We start with those who are bowed down in their sin and bondages and life-controlling habits. You know, as I said, when, I first, when God first called me to become the pastor of this church, I did ask him, Lord, why? Why this community in particular? It's a community that is, that is struggling in poverty. It is a, it's a community that is gripped by sin. Why this community? Why not an easier community that might be you know, a bit easier to, to go into? Why this such difficult community? Why this one? Why this small, broken community where there seems to be no hope? And after, I remember after praying that, even a few times after praying that, I read this quote from... David Wilkerson, who's the pastor, who was the pastor of Times Square Church in New York City. And he's best known for a book that he wrote in a film called The Cross and the Switchblade. And I'm going to end with this. This is his quote. And this is what God spoke to me through. He said, in every city where I travel nowadays, ministers ask me how to build strong, growing churches. As I look around this city, I see poor neighborhoods teeming with downtrodden people bound by sin. And this was the line that gripped me. I know that God has promised to empower us as ministers if we would only go into these nearby harvest fields to reap the souls. You can build a great church with those poor and weak who are being set free from Satan's bondage. Christ takes the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. Christ takes the weakest things to show his strength in and through them. And he goes on to say, years ago I found the harvest to be ripe in the ghetto. It happened when I went to neighborhoods where gang leaders, drug addicts, poor widows, alcoholics, and prostitutes live. Now, many of the most powerful soul winners I know are former gang members like Nicky Cruz. All over the world, they win in multitudes to Christ. In the natural, our society, our community, might seem broken, gripped by sin.
But it is in this place that I believe that Christ will shine most. I believe in the most broken places, in the people who are bound and those who are in the most desperate situations. That's where Christ's light will shine the greatest. It is in the darkest places. That's why Christ has placed us here. This church isn't here for just by an accident. This church isn't here just because our, our, our ancestors thought that it was a great idea. Our church is here because God has orchestrated it here. It's to shine his light into our broken society. And I believe his light and his love will shine greater in the darkest needs. But it's time for us as a church. The fields are ripe for harvest. The laborers are few. It's time to roll our sleeves up. It's time to get into our community. It's time to not pick and choose who we want. Christ came for all people. And we're going to reach our community. The broken, those who are poor, those who are in desperate need. We're going to show the love of Christ. We're going to tell them the good news of Jesus. And I believe as we step out, as we submit to God, harvest will be reaped. I believe we'll see God do something greater than we could ever imagine. It's time to go into our community. The harvest is ready. That's why we're here. And it is harvest time. Amen. Shall we pray? Shall we pray? Amen. Praise you, Lord Jesus.